Welcome back to that one sports podcast. I'm your host, Mitch Wilson. Unfortunately, my brother from another mother, Christopher's not here with us today, but don't fear. Luckily today, we have our first guest on the show. We are super excited. We have Mr. Tim Morris. He has his master's in education counseling psychology from the University of Missouri. Like I said, we are super excited to have him on the show. Tim, how you doing, my guy? Man, I'm fantastic. Mitchell, how are you, my friend? I'm good. Super excited to have you on the show. Uh, so can you just kind of start to get in what um, your degree is in and how um, you've been able to uh, to apply that? Yeah, so um, went to the University of Missouri, decided to venture into um, a degree that really helped me um, with my coaching. So what happened was I, I started to, to get into sports when my kids were uh, growing up. Um, I went and I started to, to be an umpire. And as I started to, to umpire uh, baseball, which is, which is my sport, I quickly realized, I quickly, quickly realized the atmosphere of, of competitive baseball and travel ball. Um, what really turned it for me um, to really go into, into coaching um, was uh, when I saw a coach um, get very upset at a player for not performing, I watched the coach kick the bucket of balls at the kid. Um, you know, there wasn't, in, there was no malintent, but it was aesthetically not very pleasing. And shortly after that, my kids were getting of age and they wanted to play um, sports. And, and I just didn't feel like um, there was an opportunity for, for me to, to, to be able to, to educate um, my children, at least, um, in a positive manner. So fast forward a couple of years, I started to quickly realize that uh, uh, there was more to coaching than, than just winning. And again, let's just preface this too. I'm not, uh, it wouldn't, we didn't do a whole, we didn't have a whole lot of championship teams, right? I, I, I mean, we had a lot of good kids. I'm not, I'm not the end all right. be all here, right? I'm not right, 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 right. But I mean, even just the, the kids that um, uh, I ran into, like just, you know, you start to see an impact, how you can make an impact on a child's life. Um, you, you know, not even just your own children, but you start to see the impact that you make on, on other kids' lives. And I quickly realized that, that I could use sport as a vehicle uh, based on uh, what I see in other, in other coaches' um, abilities and other teams and things. And, and you kind of quickly realize and you, and you see things, you know, it's like, I just, I don't agree with that, right? I don't agree with that. And so the goal was to create this um, this organization, and and I'll call it out right now. Um, it's still kind of around uh, the Kansas City, Missouri area. It's called Fusion U Sports, and uh, that was my design w along with my uh, co-partner at the time. Um, and the, the the goal was is to create this organization where we could use sport as a vehicle for positive coaching, right? Um, and use of sports psychology and, and positive interventions for the kids that we are coaching for. So the goal honestly was to, to use um, these methods to create adults, right? I, Cause you don't right. really know what goes on behind closed doors and you don't, exactly. you can't ask these things. Right. So what I realized is that with the time that I get with these children, because they're still children players, right. 
may be the only positive interaction they have all day. Uh, you just never know, you know, and I listen to your podcast and at the very end of your podcast, what do you say, Mitchell? Oh, I say, please, please be kind because everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you have no idea about. Bingo. That's huge because that still goes for kids. So I go to school. I want to learn more. I want to be more in, involved in, in, in techniques and, and, and coping strategies and, and methodologies to um, really push um, the narrative of a positive atmosphere. And when I got into it, actually keeping, believe it or not, man, I mean, this stuff has been around for, this stuff has been around for since the 90s. But here, this is what you don't understand is, is that the positive psychology used to be positive psychology and sports psychology can't really be quantified, right? Because psychologists always would think that it's rainbows and, and unicorns, right? Right, it's, it's, right? it's fallacies. It's, oh, how do you gauge happiness? And, and you know, it, it's rainbows and, and fluttery clouds and it's, it's mythical where, you know, Freud um, and these other psychologists, right, that, that had, they wanted data, tangible stuff that they could see where this side of stuff, the psychology of sport, um, you can't you can't measure it. Right. And right. So you start to learn that, it's, but as time has come along, they're starting to find measurable data in other ca capacities. But it takes a long time for them to get the, the data points. It's a kid from the age of ten to have ex experienced a number of good interventions to get to where they're at age 20, possibly in 10 years span to see kind of where they determined um, versus a kid that didn't have that, those same types of opportunities to have a, you know, from 10 years to 20 to have good positive interventions, you can kind of see, right? So there's a lot of, there's a lot more data coming out. There's a lot more people that are getting involved um, with, the, with the sports psychology side of things um, or the positive psychology. And believe it or not, a lot of uh, there's a number of churches that have used um, the the sports psychology model um, or the positive psychology model of happiness and um, and gratitude and these things and, and believe it or not um, youth development really goes into these types of things I mean the gratitude and these interventions and and self care and self talk it's really not um, it's not fooey right it's it's legitimate stuff and so. Um, that's, I graduated, um, from Mizzou back in, um, 2000, I think it was 16. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so learned, learned quite a bit to have an opportunity to utilize, um, these, these strategies with a lot of the kids I coach, uh, and believe it or not, Mitchell, I, you know, you're, you're Mr. Safety man, you know, I'm a Mr. Safety man and believe it or not, <laughs> yeah. I've actually transitioned into psychological safety, which my okay. degree has actually helped me and still does to this day, believe it or not, uh, and psychological safety is coming to the forefront now um, more and more because, you know, you can Google a rule or regulation when it comes to OSHA, right? It's easy. It's the interpretation. It's the application. It's, it's the understanding and how do you, you know, safe work culture versus safe work behavior. So the, the psychology, yeah, I was able to utilize it for the, for the kids that I was able to, to coach, man. It's, it's, been a good, it's been a good experience. So Awesome. That's awesome. Well, I mean, that's actually a really good segue to what um, I wanted to talk to you about next. Um, can, uh, can you kind of talk about and expand upon the, the four C's of positive youth development, competence, confidence, connection, and character? 
Yeah. So one thing to keep in mind, um, you know, you, you have, you have the four C's and then you, you also have another model, which is, which is the five C's, right? Um, that involves, um, your commitment, your control, your motivation. Um, you know, it, it, it has a number of these other additional C's that go along with the four C's that you're, that you're describing right now, as far as competent, confidence, connection, um, and the character. But let's, let's just really just understand something that um, the five C's and the four C's are just more of a toolkit, or it's like a, a tool in your kit, right? It's a tool in your toolbox. Um, all equally very important on both sides of things. Um, the sports psych side of things, usually we kind of use that, that the 5C approach, um, but be honest with you, the, the 4C approach is really the foundational behind it, right? Which is um, what one would call like positive youth development, right? Um, and so this, this positive youth development, it, it suggests generally that all, that all young people uh, ha possess the potential for a positive and successful um, development. Right. Um, so that's really where it comes from. Um, five C's usually are built upon the four C's model. So that, that kind of all of that together really rolls into what it means to, to build a, a foundational um, structure for a particular uh, coach. Right. So these, these approaches would be for a coach. Um, it could be assistant coach, could be a head coach. That, that's what these, these approaches are for, generally speaking. So when you go into and you're talking so a lot about the four C's, like for example, you know you've got your 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 competence, you've got your connection and your character. Uh, those three really um, are are really go towards the psychosocial parts of of, of who we are, right? Uh, the competent side of things is really uh, more so to um, to measure um, achievement, performance, or the athletic ability. So. If you think about it in that perspective, right? Take take the four C's. You've got your competence, you've got your confidence, your connections, and your character, right? Which are built on your psychosocial, which is what your your mental status, right? Your mental state. Um, and then you have your competence, which is, is your is your ability, your 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 God given athletic abilities, right? What can you do with the ball? What can you do uh, with the stick? What can you do with the glove? Those types of things, right? But if you put those into perspective, how? Would you agree with me, Mitchell, that you think that 90% of all um, sports essentially would be mental, 10% physical? Would you oh. agree with that, or do you think that's kind of higher? No, I would – it, it might be a touch high, but I'd say bare minimum at least 80% because a lot of the kids and just people in general, they have the athletic ability to do something. It's just – but do they have the mental capacity – to do it, especially like in a sport like baseball, which baseball is a sport, you know, that I played growing up, you play growing up, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I, and, and I'm actually coaching right now. Uh, I, I coach a, a 13 year baseball team and every player on that team is physically gifted. Their biggest issue is the mental part of the game as to knowing exactly what they're supposed to do if the balls hit to them or, 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 you know, they hit a ball in the gap and, and they're taking a hard turnaround uh, first base and they're trying to decide listen to the coach hey if, if that guy bobbles it I, I can take second but if he comes up thrown I've got to get back so yeah I would I would agree a lot of sports are mental agreed 
Very good. So if you if you think about it, think about the four C's, right? Um, you got three of them that are psychosocial, mental game, and then you have the one, the competence, which really uh, measures the um, the physical ability. Well, you you feel like that is possibly a little high, but I would say, me personally, just from what I think, I feel like. 90% of, of, of any game that you get involved in is going to be mental. This is me. And 10% physical, right? So if you think about it from the four C's perspective, 25% would be psychosocial or in 25% would be, um, would be uh, where it's at, right? So w what I'm getting at here is I, what I've seen over the years, and I didn't get a chance to, to really coach a lot longer, which I could have got a bigger sample point. But I feel like from what I've seen just here at this, the little league level or even at the high school level when I go to watch games is that when you talk to coaches and even from when I was a kid playing, we always spent a hundred percent of the time focused on the 10% of the time, which was the physical side of things. You never really had a coach that really would get into the, into the mental stuff, right? I'm, I'm a gen X, right? We grew up through the eighties. Right. Um, you cried, you got smacked. Right. You got the knuckles, right? <laughs> you got them. Or you got shut up and go back, um, and if you cry, you know, you, there's there's consequences, right? So right. things have changed, right? And so that's really where the four C's are at, where I feel like that it's just a tool for the toolbox, right? And it, it, it's a very good approach, and um, I personally um, didn't really use the four C's too much. But again, because you, you can't really um, – how do you how do you how do you say it? you can't really use it it's not really super tangible it's one of those things that you kind of see right and so so the goal of measuring competence in this perspective is is, is to try to get enough knowledge of the of the ability of that of that individual in that sport um like for example if you've got a, a group of kids that are, are coming out to play baseball and you have some very good ones who are a really good athletic, um, athletically inclined to have played baseball before, they're going to take the most desirable or most, um, the, the highest priority um, uh, uh, positions, right? Um, catcher, you need somebody that can really catch really well, um, who knows the game. Uh, middle infield, specifically shortstop. Early on in Little League, you're going to have a lot of dead pull hitters. You're going to have a lot of balls traveling um, to shortstop. And then you're also going to have a lot of late type of hitters. And you're going to hit up the middle. So you need your skill position players, right? Um, but if you can't have somebody that has a good competence and of the physical ability of, of, of the game, you're not going to stick them in a high-priority position. One, because um, the most important one is that they're safety, right? You don't want, to, you don't want them to get hurt. So um, these types of things are just those – types of coaching techniques, but whether you're talking about the four C's or the five C's, Mitch, um, I think it really comes down to it. Ultimately, it comes down to um, how the coach uses these, um, these models, right? And, and are, they, are they using a model? And I think it, these models come to play um, really in, 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 in players and in, in youth sports. It really comes out when the coach has a, a desired plan. Um, and can utilize right. it to the extent, right? Um, right. All, but all this is all this is new, right? I don't ever remember going through this kind of stuff as a, as a little leaguer or a coach. I don't. My right. coach never had anything like that. So. Right. Yeah, I I agree. Um, the definitely the generations have changed for sure, and especially when it comes to the way kids are. Um, so, um, my next question is. 
why do you feel that it is important or do you think that's important, especially for young athletes, for them to start to develop that mental game at a young age so then they'll be better off as they get older to be able to compete, you know, at the highest level that they choose to? Oh, so honestly, bro, I think um, um, I think the parents that that are real with their kids, like absolutely real with their kids um <laughs> save, they save their kids they save them they save them because let, let's let's be honest okay so we moved to tennessee and um i'm gonna give you a for instance when we moved to tennessee i ended up coaching uh, middle school uh basketball um with uh, with my boys right they were sixth and seventh and eighth grade down there so i they got to play middle school basketball so i coached i assisted i, I assisted the the boys and I head coached the girls. This is only one of many of times I've had conversations uh, with players, uh, youth players, and and their parents. Uh, but this one will always stick out because here we are. We're in the <laughs> SEC, baby. We are in the yeah. SEC. We're uh, we're 50 miles south of Knoxville, and you know where what I'm talking about, man. We're right, in East Tennessee. Right. It, it it is orange and white, baby. Yeah. And, and there it, it it is the balls all the way. It's SEC. I mean hell it it is what it is right it it's right. professionals of the college world so right i'm not going to go in i'm not going to say any names but it's one of my oldest he was one of his friends and he you know pretty good athlete kind of a bigger kid um kind of he, he's in the middle school fluff right he's in that oh gotcha i got you yeah yeah I got he, you. he's okay. athletic but he's still kind of like he's still growing into himself he's yeah. growing into himself and he's like a, <laughs> yeah he's kind of but he's but he's an athletic kid. But here's the thing. I mean, he he was so goal driven, which is a good thing. Goal achievement theory, right? Set the goals, achieve the goals. Um, but what it came from it was his parents, bro. Um, and as I'm co- helping coach him, we're sitting down and we're having a conversation. So I, I even in the middle school section, I used to try to sit the kids down and we would have um, we just have a coaches out. Right. So we so we would take some time. Um, and we have practice for two hours and we sit down. We just have we shoot the breeze. Right. We would talk about life and resiliency and 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 anxieties and stressors and you know and coping mechanisms and um you know these these different uh breathing techniques and and these mental devices you know just to help try to prepare the kids as much as possible and this one child um great kid but he he was he was laser focused and um I mean, he had it laid out. He was going to play football for Tennessee. He was going to go, um, then he was going to transfer and go play for Georgia. And he was doing all these things. And I, and I talked to him about this. And this is not any hidden secret information I'm about to tell you. Everybody knows this, that people at the top level is the one percenters. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent, bro. And then as you come back down to earth, right, and get into college or even the minors, you're talking like the three percenters or the two percenters. And then as you come back down, even to get into high school, then your 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 percentages are getting greater. Right. But what I was trying to tell them is like like look, I mean, and I told this young man, I said, hey, what happens if you don't make it to UT, right? What if you don't go there? What happens if you can't make the team? He goes, oh no, I will. I said, well, what happens if you, what happens if you don't make it for football? He goes, no, then I'll try for for baseball, and I'll get it for basketball. I'm like, listen, and he was like dialed in, man. I said. What happened if you went to uh, Tennessee Chattanooga, right? Carol Owens went there, right? So, I mean, right. he made it there. I mean, so what I, what I was getting at is that 
the percentages of him getting into a D1 school based on what his athleticism is is going to change exponentially. Fast forward, his mama didn't like that. She was a the teacher there. Um, oh, oh, boy, baby. Oh, boy. Oh, and in Tennessee, man, everybody's big, right? Horses <laughs> are big. I mean, she wasn't happy. She was vocal, um, but didn't say anything mean to the point where it was like, hey, you know, like it was just like my son will be doing this kind of like. And, and, and I was like, look, OK, I, I'm just trying to help you help your kid, because when, when it comes all down to it, parents help set this tone. Right. Um, oh, yeah. And so yes, absolutely. Because it's OK to not live through your children. And it's OK. okay. A, a, a lot of parents do, man. A lot of parents do that. It is okay, you know, and you know it's it's kind of it's kind of funny because we as parents, um, we automatically like athletic folks like myself and like yourself that still that still can play. Uh, I'll tend to get in a mindset when I meet somebody new, or or we or or you haven't seen somebody in a long time. You know, you dap up, you shake hands, you give hugs, you say, "Hey, what the kids doing?" Or or oh, you have. You know, you have three boys, you know, what sports they play. We automatically go there, right? We automatically do it. And so I think we, as a parent, we just kind of, we kind of pigeonhole our kids into something that, that they may not want to be a part of, um, whether or not they have athletic ability or not. So for me, it's, it's, it's the kid, it's, it's the parents. It starts at home. Um, I've, I've had, uh, I used to, I'll be honest with you, uh, Mitch, I used to recruit parents. Bro, I 100% when I coached, I would take a kid, me personally, I would rather have a kid that was average athletically with great parents than than the kid that could have been the best kid on my team with horrible parents because I knew I would have to deal with the parents and I was not about to have to go through that because those parents, they don't get it, okay? Mm -hmm. Because I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, one thing for me is, you know, when, when my son Zane, when he started going through that process, you know, I didn't realize, like, I knew the numbers were small, but a lot of people don't realize that only 7%, only 7% of high school athletes play at the college level. And that's, <sighs> and that's D1 through community college. 7%, okay? 7% of millions. Of, exactly. And so, and that's what some, <laughs> that that's what some kids don't realize, dude. Like, if you want to go to a Tennessee, a Georgia, a Mizzou, Texas, you're not competing against people in your area. You're competing against everyone in the country. Country, possibly even international now. Especially especially when you're talking about basketball. You talk or about international, soccer. soccer, football, American football, Ooh. as the people over in Europe would say. But I'll tell, I'll tell you the thing that was really eye-opening for me. So when my son Zane, um, for, for the listeners who don't know, my son Zane, uh, he graduated in, in the class of 19. He was a an all-state pitcher. And I tell you what, I did not realize, and maybe it was just because I wasn't that good to play at that type of level, is that so when we started going on visits and stuff like this, is, you know, we, uh, we never went to um, a D1 colleges. You know, the, the majority of colleges that we went to were community college because Lori and I were both, and Zane were both realists with his ability. Was was he good? Absolutely. Could he play at the college level? Absolutely. Was he going to be at Missouri, Tennessee, or Georgia? No. 
he, he was going to be the type of player to go to a community college yeah. and then after and then after two or years Juco, there or Juco, right? or, or Juco or Juco community college or Juco and then after two years there if he had progressed enough then he may have a possibility to uh, to play at a Division two or Division one school right and I'll never forget the the um, the community college that we went to that that we really loved he ended up not going there but. Um, when they showed me, and this is a community college, okay? This is a community college in Illinois, and their head coach, um, don't remember his name, great guy, in my opinion. I, I only met him for a day, but he, he he's a military guy, runs a tight ship, you know? And when he showed me the roster of kids on their team, bro, this is a community college in Illinois, they had kids from Florida. They had kids from Texas. They had kids from California. They this is a community college. Oh man! They had, ba- they had baseball players from all over the country. And I also have a a good friend of mine who his son is a senior this year, uh, r- a really good baseball player. He's going through this process. I think he's gonna. I'm not gonna say what college I think he's leaning towards because I don't know if he's committed or whatnot. But the college that he's probably gonna commit to. Um, I believe is a, I think it's an NAIA, not for sure, but they have two or three kids on that team from Venezuela. Oh, yeah. Dude, I'm telling you so, what, man, my <laughs> alma mater is Park University, right? And right. Um, they're NAIA. And I'll tell you right. what, Ben, they have a good squad when it comes to to, uh, to their sports. Uh, volleyball, I know that they, they recruit pretty heavy um, from out of the country. Um, their soccer, too, as well. Their basketball and their baseball. Their baseball, they've actually had a couple of good uh, ball players get drafted here recently. Um, and I remember when I went back to school back in 2004, 2005, that was when I got my bachelor's. Um, I, was, I think I was 24, and I had just got married, um, and Janine had just got pregnant. And I was I was considering, you know, going in and I was starting to work out with the baseball team. Right. It was kind of off season and in that park. Uh, they would have um, um, uh, they had like underground uh, facilities. Right. 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 Because right, it's, right. It's, it's, it's in the mines. Right. Old school. Mines. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so you go down there and you work out a little bit and you're and I'm, I'm getting to, I'm getting it back. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, I'm feeling it. But I'm thinking oh, I'm 23 years old and 24 years old. I mean, what, you get? what am I going to do? <laughs> Right. I mean, am I really going to chase this? It's, I mean, I could see right. it. Am I going to chase it? I'm going to travel with, with 18, 19 year old kids. I mean, I'm still kind of a kid <laughs> at that point, but I'm married. You know, I mean, what am I going to do? And so, no, but, and, and even then, would I have even made the team? And I, I feel like I'm a pretty good athletic guy. I feel like that I could play at a very low community college level, right? Um, but that's just me looking at it. That's not anybody else looking at it. So yeah, to, to factor in all these things for these kids, the parents got the parents have to do something. They have to be they have to be they have to toughen their kids up. I'm just saying they have to they have to lay it on good enough to the point because the world isn't um, give hugs and kisses. No, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Parents need to be realist, you know, because like let's just be honest. Um, unless you're a kid especially from a this is just my opinion okay especially from a baseball perspective if your child if your son is not being looked at to to being drafted out of high school okay he's probably not going division one okay not saying that he can't 
But the likelihood it, of him going Division One is not good if he's not looking at being drafted. No. And also, what a lot of what uh, also a thing I learned through my son's recruitment process is when they give you a full ride scholarship in in all sports, a lot of people don't understand that scholarship is from year to year. It's not four years guaranteed. Because mm. I didn't know that actually. You, yeah, yeah. So you go in as a freshman, like let's say they they, they redshirt you, right? So they they redshirt you, um, you you go through that first year. So now you you come back for the for your next year, and you, you're a redshirt freshman now. And let's say you you know you uh, you don't start, but you're a, a backup, okay? And this is at the the, the Division One level. So now you're a redshirt sophomore, okay? You're uh, you're not playing as well. Um, you're falling on the depth chart, okay? And then they have a you know, they have a five-star kid coming in at your position. He's better than you. All of a sudden, you've been there three years. You haven't started, and then you lose your scholarship because you're not performing. And then at that point, mm-hmm. now you're looking to transfer to uh, uh, another Division One school, or probably at that point, you're probably looking at going back to a D2 school, you know. And so yeah. that's, why, that's why I say parents need to be realists with their kids. <clears throat> mm-hmm. and, and, hey, and, th- and there are some kids that are out there that do go Division One. Okay, and and then they do go for those are the one per those are the less than one percenters of kids, okay, and a, a, a lot of parents, in my opinion, they think their kids are that good, and they're really not because they're trying to live through their kids. Bingo, bingo. Look, man, look, I love my kids just as much as the next person, but I, I, my middle child, Grayson, we called him G, and he looked at me one day and was like, we were driving in the car, and he's like, hey. Uh, and call me dad or call me pops or something. I said, like, what's up? And he goes, thanks for raising us the way you did. I'm like, mm, okay, anything specific? And he's like, you know, I've got thick skin. He goes, you, you've never, you've never really sugarcoated it. And I, you know, I was like, and then I was in the conversation um, because I mean, he's a lefty, right? Could I have filled his head full of helium his entire life about being a lefty? Um, stuck him on every football team out there trying to get him to be Michael Vick, um, Steve Young, or, or or put him in pitching camps because he's a lefty and I'm trying to force this right. to go into a, a sport that he could care less about. And I'll be honest with you. Um, he is physically gifted, but he's not as gifted as the other kids. And and that's flat out. And, and so, well, yeah, it kind of stings a little bit when you talk to your kids. I don't, I don't tell him, oh, yeah, you're not physically gifted like everybody else, right? I'm not going to be like that guy. But, I mean, when you talk to him, it's like, hey, you have a lot to work on. We need to work on these things. You see that, that, that talent that that player has? We need to work on that. You, you don't necessarily have that. And like I said, he's a pretty good athlete, right? Um, but I'm not going to fill his head full of helium either so that it's easily popped and then he's he's flying all over the place like a you know like a a fugitive balloon right right um, and <laughs> yeah um yeah and and also this um um i i know your kids great kids love them all um i and i do know that they go to a very big high school so especially from a baseball perspective if you're wanting to play on that on that oh yeah on that team <laughs> yeah. Oh you God. are. You have to be Division One baseball player. Period. Yeah, you have to, especially and right so, now. Like... And so, I mean, you have to. And so, but but I will say this: I'm not trying to fill his head or anyone's head with helium. Um, I would say, in my opinion, that 
the kids that are gifted but just not as gifted as that that go to those really big high schools that have no shot to play my son zane played so in in the state of missouri um once you reach the age of 15 you can play what's called showcase ball Sh- mm-hmm. showcase ball is essentially um 15 16 17 and 18 years of age you play in tournaments that are, that are at college stadiums okay and so zane played at 15 he played 18 you showcase ball from 15 to 18 and there were kids that he played against and that were on his team that um went to really big high schools zane went to a i would say a medium-sized high school zane zane's high school was class four in the state of missouri which missouri now has six classes so it was i would say probably in the middle that's why he was able to to play and start and whatnot but there were plenty of those kids that went to those big big five six eight high schools that weren't as gifted as other plays but because they played showcase ball and balled out during the summer they still got to go play at the next level so i i will say this just because you don't make your high school team especially when it's a big you know 6a school 7a school i know down in the south they have like 7a you know just because you're not yeah, good enough to play right. on that team doesn't necessarily i'm not saying that you're automatically but that does not necessarily mean that you can't go and play at the next level oh ben, i completely understand um and to kind of to close this loop uh mitchell we go way back like at last week right so yeah um absolutely so to circle back and you said well what what can kids kind of do right now to kind of help um i think like i said i think it comes back to the parents um and then i also think it 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 very hinges upon coaches so if there happen to be coaches out there listening that are getting their kids into t-ball that are coaching these teams because parents they'll gravitate like a magnet to positivity and if you're positive with their kids and their kids enjoy going to a sport um, and they're learning the parents are going to want to be around the more i coached and again, I'm not the savior of the coaching here, but I can tell you what, over the eight years, maybe a little less, six years-ish of coaching, I think I probably coached, I would say about 400 kids, right? Just through different football seasons and whether it's flag football or competitive baseball or competitive basketball, we just kind of, you know, you just kind of pick up kids and then you do rec ball. And I, I've coached a, a number of kids, um, coaches man and, and, and if if i could t- tell anybody to to what they are able to do um for for young kids is to learn coping strategies um and see that's really where i wanted to go with resiliency and um, with coaching and using it as a as a vehicle um you know there's two different types of strategies you know you have like a problem focused um coping strategy and then you have like a, an emotional uh, focused strategy and um your like your problem focus strategy would be like, what is the environment uh, and move it and move it out, right? So like, let me give an example. Of the, like from the sports side, you got a right-handed batter, which is me, um, and, and you know a left-handed a left-handed pitcher always has an advantage over a right-handed batter, right? Because the way the ball comes at the right-handed batter, right? Um, the only option for that for the for the environmental side of that for the the problem focused coping strategy is is to to face more left-handed batters. Right. You, that's how you kind of get in in there. Right. The more left handed batters you see, you see the different movement of the ball. Is it a slur? Is it the curve coming at you from a lefty perspective? Is it two seam fastball, four seam? Is it a court? Is it, you know, 
uh, is it uh, a knuckleball or what is it right but you get to see it coming the more the more repetitions you get the, you get to see it coming right and then you have your emotional uh, focus type coping strategy um or what they would like call also like a behavior coping strategy is when you learn how to fight through um anxiety and stressors right um because we're all going to have them um and so for example like the, you know instead of the right-handed batter you know that that hitter that's going up against the lefty um there's no way to eliminate that those those anxieties right and and those stressors do what you need to do is have the interventions um for for reducing like um how you're feeling them like the arousal state of what you are so um coping strategies man i think are huge because that's why i feel like that sport a good coach a good a good methodology for a parent is to get with a coach look i was called a cheerleader coach i don't really care i'm with you mitch i would rather have an average let's say like a baseball team baseball is my sport i'd rather have a good median average of good average to, to above average players that make a really good team as opposed to having one or two phenoms where the environment's toxic and so if 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 you if parents start to find that good positive factor um i think that's a good thing for for parents and then i also feel like that that's um um good for the for the young um for positive youth development but for the youth athletes but now hear me this i can tell you right now there are going to be some kids um that don't um that aren't that are not magnetized by that type of development there are going to be some kids that they need to, they need you to be in their grill right they need you to be um in their butt right they need you to be um kind of barking the orders and 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 telling them what they need to do to an extent and they're kind of hard on them um but I would say that those are the type of kids that are intrinsically driven and they've already kind of got it figured out and they just, they need that little extra. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I would think that those are the kids really the ones that are like that are the ones that you see at those upper levels. Yeah. As far yeah, as competition. I mean, competition. Yeah. And, and I'll say uh, when uh, I coach as well, I coach my son um, from gosh, the age of, like seven or eight up to about 12 or 13. Um, I stopped at that point because I wanted him to experience other coaches before he got into mm-hmm. high school. But I'll tell you what, man, even just from, from his generation to the, to the generation I'm coaching now is man, like the kids on his baseball team growing up, like we, all we had to do was like tell them something. And, and, and this could just be the fact that we just had a really good group of kids. Like, Every kid on that team, to my recollection, was very much the type of you just have to bark at them. Once you bark at them, they just snap out of it, and then they, they just go and compete, mm-hmm. right? As to pose as the team I'm coaching now, it, we very much have to be the cheerleading type because if you – not all of them. I would say the majority of them. There's a handful of kids on the team that if you just challenge them to compete, they will go compete. But like mm-hmm. the rest, but but the rest of the boys, like you have to be very positive, very um, uh, very much like a cheerleader type coach. Because if not, they will just shut down. And 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 I think that kind of goes to you know maybe that's just how they are. But I also think and 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 something I just thought of, I'd like to get your thoughts is. And I also think the reason why that's more prevalent today than it was um, even when my son 
played at that age and then when we play at that age is and i and i could be completely off base but i think social media has a lot to do with that i think you know kids i I think kids i think kids nowadays i think they're constantly in their phone and so like they're seeing things and if if things aren't like how they're seeing on the on the gram or whatever they're calling it snapchat it's like baby i it's you know i don't you know so i think that in my opinion, I think social media has, has a not has definitely has a part in that as to why the kids are kind of the way they are these days. But uh, what what are your thoughts on that on, on social media with 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 the, with the sports? Oh man, you're uh, look. I, I'm I'm gonna be right here with you, there, Big Daddy. Um, I, I'm. I'm I'm with the social media thing, right? I, I I do dig social media. I mean, I think it's a great tool. However, I do think it can be very bad too, right? So yeah, that aspect, yeah. I think because because I remember growing up, um, you know, you only saw what you saw and you didn't know what you didn't know. Um, exactly. Right. Exactly. As you look at yourself today, you're a percentage of you're a percentage of who you are, who you were, and you're only a fraction of who you could be. Right. Right. Think about that mentality. You're a percentage of who you were, but you're a fraction of who you could be. And so I think with the social media, it, 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 it's diluted. It's diluted because I, as a kid, man, at 10 years old, man, I was dialed in. I was, and you're going to hear this from every Gen Xer, right? And, and even, you, even, uh, even yourself being not too much younger than myself, but you didn't come home until the street lights came on, right? You're, you literally were drinking from the water hose. Um, I, I remember going down in, in, in the in the 90s, in the, in the late 80s, late 90s, I remember going under the, the streets in the freaking sewers, man. I mean, we did that kind of stuff, right? Was it dangerous? Do I want my kids doing it? I really scratch my head when they want to go do it, but they can't get into them anymore because the society's realized that it's dangerous down there. There's H2S. Pennywise is down there, man. They're going to get you, right? So we're it's different. It's just a different <laughs> mentality. But yes, social media I think has done that to us, but I also think social media has brought awareness to as well. Um because the mental aspect of, of stuff, like I said, the positive psychology, the sports psychology was all fairy tales and rainbows. Now it's 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 getting to be more prevalent. Um May is mental awareness month, right? I mean we just didn't do that thirty five years ago. You just didn't do that. I mean, I, I, I have, there's, there's letter, there's lettered words that I can say for what people would call you if you had something going on, right? Or if, if Oh you, yeah, absolutely. I, absolutely. I mean, there's terms of endearment that people, your teammates would, would sprinkle on you and then that's your title now. Right. So right, yeah. it is different. It is different, but I still think that some of those interventions um, are, are still available right um to to build a good strong youth but i think even nowadays like um when you talk about autogenic training um this is something that uh, you know i i went back into um i couldn't remember exactly what it was called but i when when we i started looking at your questions i'm like i know exactly where to go so i went back into one of my into my my text and i found it and it's auto it's called autogenic training and really what it comes down to um is relaxation um, and imagery, and it's very simple. But if you were to tell a clinical psych- a psychiatrist or even somebody that um, is in the field, th- this stuff is intangible. 
right? You can't you can't put a you can't put data on it, but it's it's the good stuff now because people are realizing it's free. Relaxation right. techniques and imagery. You, you know about the ten thousand hour rule, right? Some people say they debunked it, but I firmly believe it. And again, I'm not a clinical psychologist, but I've got some experience in this stuff and I've got some education. But you do 10,000 hours of anything, you're going to have some experience. And do you know what imagery can also do for you? If I'm, if I don't have, if I'm going out to the batting cages or I got somebody taking BP and I'm out there just clubbing away, pop, pop, and my goal is to have 500 swings in a day pop, or in a week, let's go in a week. Do you know that if, if, I, if, if I go out and let's say I hit, a, I hit 100 balls in a day, which would equal 500 in a Monday through Friday, but if I go home and I put myself in a, a relaxed station, in a, in, a, in a relaxed state of mind, um, you know, heaviness in the arms and legs, um, warmth in your chest and in your, in, 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 in your extremities and calming breathing, and you get yourself into a relaxed state, somewhat of a hypnosis state, and you continue to to swing that bat in your head you're still creating those muscle memories the imagery what i mean by that is how does the bat feel in your hands um how does it feel in your muscles in your back when you swing when you make connection how does it feel when you miss when you when you pull your head when you open your hips when you don't break your wrist when you don't when you're doing if you can continue to be in the moment like that what they call flow you're still training you're still training right imagery um i believe is very strong in this and and because your brain is still seeing it it's still producing the adrenaline you know the reflexes the the reactions and what it does it's still firing right so you're still creating those i would like to say training moments now there may be some folks out there that be like tim you're it, you're a bozo and, and maybe so but I, I firmly believe that if you are continually training your brain, even though you're not actually physically doing it, your brain is still going through the motions. Right. Absolutely. No, 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 no. Because, I agree. And, and, and the reason why I agree is because I couldn't tell you how many times uh, you hear about athletes, professional athletes, um, especially, you know, football players, especially quarterbacks, receivers, any great athlete. And, and, and I've only really heard about this with football. Um, you know, when guys get hurt, but they're still able to be at practice, they still go to practice because they want the mental reps. And that goes to exactly what you're talking about. You, even though they can't physically perform those reps, but if they can be in a moment and visualize that, they're still getting that rep in, yeah. even though they're not physically doing it. Yeah, I mean, it's free. It's absolutely right. free. So so when I went to me, when I went, I, um, I was one of the first classes to um, back in 2014 um, to go into this this program through Mizzou, um, and I was one of the first to graduate. Um, and it's still there. The, the The guy that created it, his name was Dr. Um, Rick McGuire. He wrote a book. And he's no longer there. Um, is it Rick McGuire? I just used yeah Rick. Um, and he ended up writing a book too about youth sports. And so um, the main professor there, his name was Dr. Brandon Orr, and he, and he was. He, he was on the coach. He was one of the coaches, I think linebackers coach for, for the Tigers football team. And he's also on wrestling. And so that's where the sports psychology that I was educated in came from Dr. Orr. Um, and you, and you get involved in this and you get to understand like, how does it antiquate? How does it roll all into it? You know, there's one thing that's always stuck with me about 
his program that I really like today, and it's called the 40% rule. Bro, and I, and I tell you what, I use this today, even in my own life, and I try to tell my kids this, and it can go for any walk of life, but it, it really can, it, I learned it, and it was about athletes, but it really goes for everything. It's called the 40% rule, okay? 50% of who you are is, is DNA, right? Yep. 10% of who you are is circumstances. The 40% that's left over is choices. Ooh, I like that, bro. I like that. Man. And so you, you really have 40% of your day that will influence who you are. And that can go for anybody. That can go for athletes, non-athletes. That can go for men, women, children. Once you kind of get the understanding. Now, your 10%, your circumstances can change, but really – it's roughly going to be about 10% of who you are in your circumstances. And the circumstances can always, can always change. But your DNA is not going to change. So that's 50% of who you are, right? But every day starts with that you have the opportunity of a very large percentage, 40%, to either change your circumstances, right? Right. Um, and make your life better or make your life worse. Um, and that's really where that 40% really is going to go is your circumstances. But you're you have forty percent to change a ten percent stand. So, but that go that can go into anything. That goes into sports. That goes into work. That goes into like I said, daily life. So, I, I really like that, and it's called the forty percent rule. And then Dr. Orr is the one that that, that taught his um, you know taught us that in in his certification through this program at Mizzou, um, and I use it to this day. So. I mean, how do you want to do that as a coach? How do you want to do that as a parent that's putting their kids through a particular sport, right? You have the choices um, to make to, to change those circumstances. Um, and, and, you know, if you go into it and you start thinking about what you, can you do as a youth, um, like I said, I, I go back to finding a good coach, man. You know, I, I do believe that coaches should to, should look at parents and depending on what type of sport you're in. And not, and not all the parents are going to want a cheerleader coach. I'll be honest with you. I know there's somebody that you and I both know that is that would rather have a coach push their children than a raw raw coach in the background. Who don't get me wrong, raw raw coaches and cheerleader coaches are still good, and we can still hold our kids to a higher standard for their children because that's what they like. And I think you know who the person is I'm talking about here, and and he'll tell you <laughs> <laughs> he is that yeah. guy, and that's yeah. okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. You are a KC guy, just like me. Mm -hmm. So I, I cannot, um, cannot let you get off the hook without asking you. Us talking about the Chiefs just for a few minutes. So uh, the Chiefs just uh, um, last week signed left tackle Donovan Smith. So Donovan Smith is going to be. Andy Reid came out today and said he's going to be the starting left tackle, which uh, pushes Juwan Taylor back over to right tackle. So. That being said, what are your uh, expectations and thoughts for the Chiefs this year? I'm not saying we're busted, and I'm not saying we're not deep or anything, but I, I, when when Mahomes hurt his kneecap, you remember? Man, the world was ending, and he popped that baby right back in, and we were and we moved on, right? But um, I think the moves that we made uh, in free agency go right hand in hand with what Veach does. That's what he does, right? He he makes these he makes these moves that people are just like, eh, I, I wouldn't have went there, but it doesn't matter because we're not doing it. It's him doing it, and we just got to sit around and watch it. There's nothing we can do about it. We can turn all we want, but he's obviously made a lot of good moves that 
that have put us in a, in, in contention um, over the last five years, right? So do I believe the Chiefs are going to, to go back again? I think we'll make the playoffs. I, I, I just worry about Mr. Mahomes, uh, Pat. If he goes down, I just – I know we got check, and I know we've got um, – the Jet came back, and, you know, of course we have Kells. And, and it, it really you just need somebody to plug, to plug in and, and, and run Andy's scheme. I don't know, bro. Um, okay, so how about this? I'll give you an easier question. I'll put I'll put the the Chiefs win total at at eleven and a half. Are you taking the over or the under? Oof. You said this was you said this was easier. Um, so basically, are they gonna are, are they gonna win more than eleven games this year? Now, 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 I will preface this by saying, assuming everyone's healthy. Assuming everyone's healthy. Assuming everyone's healthy, yes, I think they'll win more than eleven. Okay. I do. With the pieces. Okay. Um I agree. I agree. I think uh I think the uh the, the SMU receiver we got in the second round, I really can't I, I tell you what, um I really think that if he can develop, he reminds me a lot of – I'm not saying he's going to be this good, and I've already said this on the podcast. I I don't know if he'll be this good, but the way he runs his routes, get out of his breaks, how he tacks the ball, he reminds me a lot of D-Hop. You think so? Yeah, because he's built like him, right? I mean, he's got the same framework, right? Yeah. Yep. So I will say that the schedule comes out this Thursday, so it'll be interesting. So probably uh, th- this this will drop probably Thursday, um, late thir- late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning. So that will be the same day as the schedule release. So I'll go on the record and go ahead and say that I believe the Chiefs are going to win. I'll take the over on the 11 and a half, assuming everyone is healthy. So, and 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 I will say I I know a lot of people don't like. It right now, I've heard multiple people come out and pretty much they want to tar and feather the Chiefs because of the contract Patrick Mahomes has signed. But, I mean, let's just be real honest. When Patrick Mahomes signed that contract, don't you think him and his agents all knew that in three or four years he would not be the highest paid player in the league? That oh, he would. Yeah. And, and, and my thing is this. Patrick Mahomes did not sign that contract to – to be the highest paid player in the league, he signed that contract for generational wealth. For longevity, because, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because agree. because here's my thing. Let's just be let's just be 100 percent honest. And I'm not. And this might sound very homerish because I'm a KC fan. I think that Patrick Mahomes is going to be the fastest athlete to a billion dollars. Period. Because of his contract. Bro, he, he, are you talking about just contractually from the from from the? No, team? no, no I'm, talking about endorsement? no. I'm talking about everything. Oh, bro, everything. He's got to be getting close. He's got to be getting the, close. The, the, well, that's what I'm saying is he he's already going to be the fastest athlete to a billion. So why does he have to be the highest paid player in the league? I mean, he he already has right now probably more money than he can ever spend. So his he was smart when he signed that deal because he said I can sign this deal and set myself up just for this in this one contract for generational wealth. And not only that. I'm going to be able to have a good team around me. So now I have generational wealth for the rest of my life, and I'm going to have an opportunity to go to the playoffs and always have a chance to win a Super Bowl. Because he understood that if you are the highest paid player on the team in the league, you're not going to a Super Bowl, plain and simple. 
so you know it it's very kind of Tom Brady-esque from back in the day when 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 Mr. Brady he he decided to um take less money in in a way right if you correct me if I'm wrong to to have pieces built around him and what and what is he what is he now I mean he's got he's got a fistful of, he's got two fistful of rings right so um I think this goes back to his parents, bro. I can't say the same for Jackson. Uh, they, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. But I say, we, we, we ain't talking about that, bro. We ain't talking about that, bro. <laughs> something happened there. See, mental. They should use interventions and some other coping techniques for that young man. <laughs> I'm serious, bro. I, he, I know, bro. I know. He, he, needs, he needs some assistance. But for, for Mr. Patrick, he's, he's got it figured out. Um, somebody was in his corner. I, maybe it was his girl. Um, maybe it was a mentor somewhere, but he, he figured it out. Um, and I'm with you on that because he's made very smart business decisions. Okay. Well, hold on real quick. Go ahead. I'm excited. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Defense. I, I, I know this is going to sound weird, but I haven't been excited for Chiefs defense in a while. And, uh, you know, I'm more of a baseball guy than I am football. Don't get me wrong. I, I know football, but baseball is my deal. But, Man, you know, I, I'm excited about Edwards, and I'm excited about uh, Drew Tranquil. Um, I just feel like that we we got we 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 got a couple of pieces for our defense that I think can make us make me make me pretty excited about our defense, man. Right, I agree. Because let's just be honest, Nick Bolton is a baller. Chris Jones, baller. Lejerry Sneed, baller. Justin Reed, but I'm I mean, telling you, I'm telling. All I'm gonna say is this. If the Chiefs defense can average giving up 17 points a game, it's over, bro. It's over. Yeah, you seven, that's what I'm saying. So, like, the defense doesn't have to be elite. They just have to be above average, bro. Above average. Oh, but hold on. So, we're going to end the show on this because I, re- I it came to me what I was going to ask you. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Deion Sanders – was criticized. Oh. This this was a few weeks ago. Okay, he was criticized for some comments that he made about there are certain. He made some comments about what um, attributes he likes in his quarterbacks and attributes he likes in his linemen and attributes he likes in his defensive linemen. Okay, so um, for those who don't know, um, essentially Deion Sanders said. Um, because I, the reason why I'm asking you this is because of you know the sports psychology, and maybe you can give me some insight, or maybe you're just gonna be like, no, nah, that's just that's just how it rolls, okay? So basically, he said for his quarterbacks, he wants them to be, um, so, uh, I think he said uh, GPA of mom and dad in the home, GPA above a three five, and doesn't get in any trouble. He essentially said the same thing about his offensive linemen. However, for his defensive linemen, he said he wants single parent home. He wants dollars. You know, try, yeah. <laughs> but basically, now, now, do you have any thoughts or do, now, now, now? Do you think he made those comments maybe because let's just be completely honest? Defensive guys are di- they're wired different than offensive guys, and so do you have any thoughts or or, or anything like that when it comes to that? So, yeah, so, you know, you were a football guy. I, I didn't do football outside eighth grade. Um, I, you know, I just focused on, 
on, on baseball, you know, I played some basketball, but so for me that to say it was a long time ago for me and I played defense too. I was, I was an outside linebacker. I was small, but I, I, I could lay a hit on you, man. I get, I get in that, in the B gap there and I would, I would, I would try to lay some lumber. Right. Right. Um, right. But I don't know. I'm thinking as a coach now, I'll be honest with you. Have I, have I thought those things? Probably. Right. Um, but I mean, you're talking, you're talking to a guy who played at a high level, Neon Dion. I was just watching some clips of him the other day covering Jerry Rice, Jerry freaking Rice, man. I mean, these two were going at it. Best, best offense, defense duo, I think, you know, in the, in the 90s going after each other, right? Um, and maybe even period. Period. Um, <laughs> so you think about what he says, and is he wrong for saying it? I, or is he wrong for thinking it? Because he obviously had to think about it before he said it, and he's obviously thought about it long enough that that's what he does, right? That's what he looks for. Right, um, right. So I, I don't know. I mean, I think that's how he rolls. But if parents were honest with each other, Dion is like what? I think he's like maybe, what, eight years older than me. So he's in his 50s maybe? I don't even know how old he is. Right. So he grew up in a time frame, again, like we were talking about earlier, where people had thick skin. Right, yes. It was just a exactly. different age group, and now he's coaching kids and parents who are, are really into their kids, like really into them. Like they love them yeah. extremely. Like I love I love my kids extremely, but I, we already talked about how we roll. He's obviously thought it, and now he's getting to a point where he's just speaking his mind, and I, I don't think that he means anything malintent by it. I think it's exactly what he's looking for, and I think he's, my opinion, it's, he wants the parents to fit the bill, right? Right. And that's just my opinion. It makes his job easier if you if you, if you know what he's looking for. Don't waste his time. And, and and you're also talking about a guy who who is arguably the the best, arguably the best defensive player to ever play in the NFL. Period, regardless of position. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, so I mean, how many how many championships does he have? He's won a couple with two different teams. Yep, yep. So I don't know. I know you need my brother here to to really get into actual statistics. He'll tell you right off right. his head. He's like a vault right. and stuff. But because I mean, you're talking to a guy that who played at the high level, who went to Jackson State and then and coached at a high level, and now he's going. He's moving on. I mean, his rhetoric. You may not like it, but. If you're wanting to send somebody to the Buffaloes and you're a quarterback, but you don't meet these criteria, you might as well go to another school. Don't waste your or his time. But at, at least he's up front. At, at least he's up front and honest about it. He's candid. He's candid, and people yeah. can't handle can, candor. They can't handle the honesty. It, it blows people's minds. I love it. I absolutely I, I love it. I do too, man. I, I, do I, too. I, I thought there, there, I, there's no malice in Tim, but it means he was just being honest. And you he, want to know what? Got it, people... And it came out. <laughs> right. And so it's just like one of those type of things. Like it is what it is. So, man, Tim, I cannot thank you enough for being on, on the show. I appreciate you, my brother. Again, please remember we drop podcasts every week, every Thursday morning. It will be there for you. Please don't forget to like and subscribe on Facebook and Instagram. And please follow us on whatever platform you get your podcast from. Again, Tim, I appreciate you. And guys, welcome, sir. Please remember, guys, please, please, please remember be kind. Everyone you meet is fighting a battle that you have absolutely no idea about.
Until next week, fam. Peace.